Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So there's a reason why I started Blood Origins. And that reason is simple. Is that I wanted to convey the truth about hunting. It brings awareness to, to non-hunters that it's, it's more than just killing animals. How do I start it? Brittany. My name my is... Does <laughs> my hair look okay? It's fantastic. My name is Mike Axelrod. Start again. Yeah, I hated it too. Braxton, you said something in the car to me. You said that you were living on borrowed time. Mm. There's a perception around who hunters are, what we're supposed to be, and a, a feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. All right, welcome everybody to the roundup. Um, it's me in Alaska, Alaska Cody. Um, Robbie is at the SHOT Show, couldn't make the roundup this week, so hopefully he's he's uh, having fun out there and being productive. Alaska, what have you been up to? Just uh, preparing for hunting and fishing season. Preparing? When you're right in the middle of it. Well, not not for me. Um, the uh, the end of our like a lot of the stuff I was doing. I mean, I look. I love fishing. Um, I am gonna come right out and say I hate ice fishing because fishing is supposed to be relaxing, and I hate all the work that has to go into ice fishing. Like, if I have to go out onto a lake, set up a tent, drill a hole wait for my heater to start up all to start enjoying fishing. I it's, I'm just, I'm just too lazy to do that. Okay. <laughs> it's like not to mention, I got a, I got a lug, a drill and a shelter plus all my regular tackle and sometimes a saw and all this stuff just so I can keep sticking my hand into frozen water. Like I just, I don't, <laughs> it's, I do it every once in a while. Got to get the fix in for fishing. I think it's a big thing in life to get to a point where you just like admit that you uh, like I don't I don't need to do everything. You know what I mean? I'm I'm the I'm literally the exact same way about the same topic. And when I moved to Colorado, guys started talking about ice fishing. Not really a big uh, 
thing in the other states that I've lived in. I mean, it happens in Kansas some, but it's not it's not a thing, right? And uh, I like I spent like a month getting excited about it and started doing some shopping for some gear, and then I was just like, I was ex- I'm right there with you, man. This seems like a lot of work for something I'm not sure I want to do bad enough to do all the work. It's not like there's things that I don't put a lot of work into, but I got to really want to do something if I'm going to make it. Uh... The other struggle I have is I don't know anything about it, right? Like now I'm going to work my ass off for something that I'm probably going to fail at because I don't even know what I'm doing. Yeah, I agree. Um, and it's also like all the things that make you good at fishing, right? Which is like an ability to identify you know, structure and other areas that are going to be fishy. So like, I always say that the difference between just the same as hunting, right? I mean, and just the same as trapping, the difference between someone who's going to be successful is not whether they have a spot that they go to that they always catch fish in, but whether they can identify whether the spot they are standing in is going to be fishy or be, you know, a place that carries ungulates or bears or anything else. Like that's the, that's the key. Like, and a a blind squirrel's right twice a day. Right. But a, a person that can identify whether a spot is going to be one that's going to produce consistently just by standing in it and and observing it is going to be, or even looking at it on a map is going to be a lot more successful in the long run. That's a hell of a lot easier to do when water is open and flowing, because if I don't like the spot I'm standing in, I can just keep walking upstream or downstream right. or, or what have right. you, and and I can drop a line in, you know, 15 yards up, a half a mile upstream, it doesn't matter. If I wanted to do that in the winter, especially in Alaska, I got to drill. <laughs> I got to drill through fucking six inches of ice twelve on the low end up to like two or three feet ice sometimes in parts of these parts of the state and and then hope to God that there's big fish cruising along my specific little area of shelf and it's only a six inch hole, you know? Don't you think that more I don't by no means Am I classifying every ice fisherman here? I don't want these damn texts. But I, I think it's it's uh it's one of those things that's incredibly uh I think catching fish is maybe not always the top priority with ice fishermen. Whether it's drinking beer or socializing or just getting out of the well, house, I think like that place in Wisconsin or what <laughs> what, what was yeah, that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That city councilman claimed that they were running uh, prostitutes out of the ice fishing shanties. I do think that got debunked. I don't think that that was actually. Well, any, uh, no shit, right? <laughs> like, yeah. there's a lot better places to get laid than than in an ice fishing shanty. Yeah, that's a hundred percent true. That would uh, would it would make a story to tell, but man, would that uh, that's take some commitment to the uh, process? I think. <laughs> yeah, for unless, sure. Unless you got a really nice ice fishing shanty. So what's your next thing in Alaska? Like, What's your next uh, hunting, fishing thing you're going after up there? So spring, I'm going to be going after bears pretty hard. Um, shout out to some buddies that have put me on some nice places. And I got some other uh, spots just through all my scouting last year that I think look berry. Um, I also happen to know where just from scouting um, the swamps for good duck spots this fall, where a bunch of guys who've shot their moose left, you know, like boned out carcasses and stuff. So I think once right. once the thaw happens, those will be pounced on by bears pretty quickly. Um, they're in a lot of blueberry slopes. So I'll be up there, and then um, I think about May, things will start thawing out early May, late, because we got a lot of snow. It's very deep, but we haven't had snow in about a month. So um, I think... And things are starting to warm up this January, so things are kind of thawing out a little bit. So I'm hoping by mid-April that water will be open enough to fish. And then, so I'll be going after early steelhead stuff, and then kings will start running in May. And then at the same time, 
I'll probably be going after reds and uh, and halibuts. So busy, busy spring coming up. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's exciting stuff. I still have it on a uh, bucket list item of mine to get up there. You doing? You running? Are, are you a fly fishing guy at all? Not that it matters. It really. It's not like I'm not going to get into some judgmental thing. This is just curiosity. No, no, I hate fly fishing. Uh, look, I've tried to like it, and I've got a lot of friends that are fly fishing guides. Some of whom I've made from being guests on their on their adventures, and I just again. I'm too lazy to sit here and tie lures. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Like I'm not uh, like, and I, it's just, then you got to mend the line and then you got to do this and that. And I'm just like, I, I can, and guys get mad up, especially up here. Cause fly fishermen, look, I, I don't want to be getting you guys into, you know, getting, um, getting angry texts, but fly fishermen by and large are very like pretentious about, how they catch fish right so they will throw a woolly bugger or whatever and you know catch one king and then i will catch 10 kings in 10 minutes on a meps you know single hook spinner there's no difference between these two things by the way they're both single hook lures a lot of times even there's two hooks in the in those uh what are they calling the dalai lamas or whatever right and so you know, if you don't like the fact that I'm catching fish, like, I don't know what to tell you, man. It's just, there's a reason that people use this stuff. It's because it works. Yeah, no, I'm with you a hundred percent. And I, I think that, well, I'm not with you a hundred percent because I'm addicted to fly fishing, but I'm with you a hundred percent on the judgmental crap, right? Like I've never been on a river and, you know, a, a ton of the spots that I fish around here are almost exclusively fly fishing, meaning that's just the only folks that go up in there. Um, but there are several spots where you'll be sitting, you know, you'll be wading and there'll be people on the, on the bank of the river in a lawn chair who oftentimes are just, you know, out fishing me like crazy. I think to me, like fly fishing, a, a guy that took the time and the dedication to do it the hard way because he likes ice fishing. Like that's the ultimate metaphor to my fly fishing. I just like it so much. And I like the motion and I like how much it makes me concentrate and pay attention. Um, it's, it's, it's a thing that I've decided to uh, put the time and effort into because I like doing it, even though it's the hard way, it's not the smart way. And 95% of the fish I catch, I, I, catch and release right like i don't it's just a thing i like to do um but i'm with you a hundred percent that i hate the uh yeah and if pretend- there wasn't such a pervasive culture of like combativeness on the part no, of the man, i would like yeah. it a lot more. i think frankly a lot of fly fishermen turn me off to fly fishing because i just don't want to be associated with like these guys that like you know they're they're wearing like eight hundred dollar waders, and then like if someone's you know chucking gear, they're like you know I don't know. It's just very like it's very rich guy e, and I just don't I, I just can't hang with those people. No, I, I'm with you a hundred percent on that, and in fact, just don't, uh, just don't like I, I I'm kind of that way with human beings. Like human beings have turned me off from human beings a little bit. And the fact that I'll walk a long ass waist, excuse me, to the to a place where the fishing's not great to fish by myself. Um and I, I I'm with you. I don't understand why fly fishing people have to be so judgmental. And again, it's not all of them, I promise. I mean, I fish with some really cool folks that just like it, right? And it's it's the it's my golf. Um, and people, people question why I would, wouldn't do so much catch and release fishing. And, you know, you don't get anything out of golf either. You don't take home a, something to eat when you're playing golf. It's just that it's my thing that uh, kind of brings me my mental peace out there. But the judgmental side of it is you're, you're not exaggerating it at all. There is a ton of very pretentious fly fishermen um, who think that it's their way or no way and that you're doing it wrong if you don't have the same brand of gear fishing the same way as them. But but uh, I do love doing it. It's There's something like, it's my therapy kind of, maybe, I don't know. Anyway, 
I want to come up there and fly fish and then probably uh, get mad that I'm not catching as many fish and switch. And I have no problem with throwing uh, throwing an old MEPS at them either. Yeah. And that's, that's the fun part is that a lot of these single hook artificial only places are, you know, built for exactly that. And there's, it's not just Kings, right? Like I catch my average size trout I catch up here on these wild streams is probably 20, 21 inches. Um, yeah. And that's, I mean, I've never even seen a trout that big live, growing up on the East coast before moving here. Um, yeah, I used to think like a great fish was like a 16 or 17 inch trout, you know, um, which still, I mean, still a nice fish, but I would, I would yawn if I caught one of those today. Right. Yeah. No, that, that, that's the part of it that's obviously exciting. And, uh, yeah, I'll be there. If I'm not there next year, I'll be there the year after. And you can make fun of me not catching them on a fly for a day, and then I'll switch and and. Uh... Well, we'll get you, we'll get you on some. I got some really good spots. I mean, my, I it's funny. So I I'm very like methodical about selecting for spots and like and my mapping functions and stuff. On I I think I really think I've built a a really strong database within a 50 mile radius of me that is good are good places to try first and then expand from if you're looking to get into any sort of fish or or game for that matter because i i have a system that you know records very methodically how you know where i'm catching stuff what i'm catching them on what what day it was etc so i I can pretty much map out where I'm going to be any month of the year here. Um, just from my Onyx or my Garmin. I like that. I like that. I like, I like somebody to do the pre-scouting for me sometimes. Not always, but sometimes. Yeah, it's fun. Um, here's the thing. Send us a text at 620-860-4804 if you have a – I'd like to dive into this uh, whole pretentiousness of fly fishermen with somebody outside of the uh, – outside of the sphere here. So send us a text if you got an idea why fly fishermen are so pretentious. Um, and maybe we'll make a discussion of that in the future. 620-860-4804. Speaking of texts, let's hit a couple real quick. Um, I got a lot of texts um, about uh, the Colorado wolf thing. I know every, I know a lot of people think we talk about that too much, but the state did release their plan about a month ago. Um, just a thing to keep an eye on there. No, no real specific text to go into. Dave Gittleson has been keeping us up to date on not only his thoughts that we went through a little bit on the last roundup, but, uh, what's going on in the state. Um, we'll tell you that Dave's turned from being a guy that was working very hard to try and find a way to work with it to, uh, to uh, realizing that he's not going to be able to find a way that works great with me. Um, works great with the wolves, I'm sorry. It uh, seems like it um, is going more and more to the point where the ranchers are pissed off um, about the way that it's happening. Obviously, we knew some of that was going to happen. One of Dave's texts that he sent a couple of days ago says, his dad talked to some hunters at a CPW meeting in Colorado Springs that have been listening to the Blood Origins podcast and went to the meeting to voice their concerns because of it. So that's really cool. I love uh, stories of uh, maybe we did a little bit of good to get folks more involved in policymaking there. Um, yeah, so the, the, just the, the Colorado Wolf thing is a thing to keep an eye on because as soon as Colorado pulls it off, um, all of you other mountain states for sure that don't have gray wolf populations be ready because there's going to be more ballot measures that they're trying to incur across the country um, as in, in, if not in this, if not in this upcoming election and elections in the future, they're going to try and copy what Colorado did to put wolves back in, whether people want it or not. Um, got a text from Tanner in Utah. Tanner is the king of the really long text, um, but he was talking about, uh, you know, a thing that we discuss a lot is, is why this animal and not this last animal. And 
in the sense of why do we care so much about animal A, but animal B is, uh, you know, why are wolves so important, but mule deer don't get the uh, respect even when their populations are hurting in certain areas? And he put, I think you brought up a lot, a great point in the most recent roundup that I've never really thought about. We grew up seeing lions and elephants and wolves and bears all around us in our toys and kid culture. And it's definitely a great point. And I agree that it probably plays a major role in these discussions. So just something to keep in mind when you're having conversations with the antis, um, that why, why do we put so much money towards expanding the wolf when we, and put zero concern on the effect that it has on mule deer populations that are suffering as well across a lot of the mountain country. Um, what's, what's going on? What you talked about it, Alaska, what's the bill and what's the bill going on up there where, uh, the federal government is trying to take back control of some of the, uh, rules and regulations. What's the word for it? The, 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 uh, what's it called? Yeah. Big, big, complicated mess there that every once in a while, if you pay attention to the hunting news, you'll catch an article that just says bear baiting will potentially be banned in Alaska. But there's a shitload more to it than that, right? Yeah. Well, here's the heart of the issue, right, is the the heart of the issue with regard to the Kenai rule is whether the state's got a right to manage their own wildlife, which is really the heart of what a lot of these – um, federal versus state management um, fights are about, right? But um, in Alaska, it's it's very unique in that, like, part of our Statehood Act actually guarantees the state's right to manage wildlife, which is important because sixty percent of the land mass of Alaska is is federal land. So if you start banning things like this on quote unquote federal land, um, you're banning. If Alaska is one third the size of the continental United States, right, and you're banning sixty percent of that land mass for um, for hunting um, uh, or for a lot of you know really important predator hunting um, uh, uh, tactics, then you're you're essentially banning one sixth of the landmass of the of the continental United States for for predator control activities that are critically important to a lot of things that are that are very a lot of ungulate populations that are already very precarious in the state. We're having issues with doll sheep. We're having issues with mountain goats. We're having issues with moose. And then now you're essentially giving free reign over huge tracts of land to bears um, and other uh, and other predators and not controlling them, that's going to affect those populations because you're giving them, I mean, bears don't understand the difference between federal land and state land, you know, neither do the moose. They're not going to say, oh, I've, you know, um, bears can get me or bears, there's going to be more bears on federal land versus state land. They, they, they march across all of that land. Um, and it just creates a, um, an environment that's, you know, really, really tough for, for these animals. So the, the, the crux of the issue though, is that the feds are saying that under ANILCA, the Alaska native, um, lands claim land claims act, um, that they can manage it, even though it's counter to what the state wants, um, which is, which is directly contra- contradicted by our statehood act. Um, most of, and Let's be clear here. Most of the stuff they want to ban isn't actually legal for the average hunter. So a lot of the stuff you see in those headlines that hunters are going in there throwing firecrackers and like in bear dens and to scare out bears and shooting them in the dead of winter, that's not that's not what sport hunters are allowed to do. It's never been allowed for sport hunters in the state. Um, that stuff is like very minority based, like federal subsistence hunting. Um, den hunting for bears, den hunting for wolves. Um, the only thing that we're allowed to do is bear uh, is baiting for bears. And that's where the you know kind of pinnacle of the fight is. Um, so a few years ago, the state opened a baited bear hunt on the Kenai Peninsula, which is a very popular sport 
fishing and sport hunting area because there's a lot of bears there because there's a lot of fish there and etc right so um on the Kenai, they opened up um a baited bear hunt um the feds wouldn't allow it on the wildlife refuge which is a huge tract of the land down there on the Kenai peninsula so regulations were changed to allow it at the federal level across the across the feds, thank you to President Trump's administration, they opened up a lot of um, hunting on federal wildlife refuges. Um, but even though it was allowed at the federal level, the individual refuge refused to allow the baited bear hunt. SCI challenged them in court. They lost. It got appealed. That's kind of where we're at right now with the lawsuit. Um, and um, it ties in with the lawsuit with another ongoing lawsuit with the federal subsistence board over, over an arbitrary and capricious closure of moose and caribou hunting up in the, up in the interior and another budding one down on, um, down in Kachemak Bay and around that area um, to close deer hunting to non-local residents. It's just the, the current administration is just totally screwing the pooch on a lot of these Alaska, uh, wildlife management issues because they're just trying to score points with political special interests instead of allowing the scientists who actually live in the state manage the state both for like Alaska is unique in that it's huge. There's not a lot of people here, but it's more than any other state. I know a lot of people are probably going to be upset by this or chafed by it or what have you, but Alaskans more than any other state, Feed, literally feed their families off of what they catch during the year in their in their sport hunting and sport fishing adventures, right? Quote unquote sport hunting, sport fishing. Um, so if you catch them, if you get a moose, you, that's filling your freezer, and you're feeding your family for the whole year on that moose, right? If you if you catch, you know, um, if you limit out on um, on salmon a, a few days, you're, you're potentially feeding your family, Re by the way, really high quality food that other people would pay $30 a pound for, for the right. rest. I mean, I have friends in Virginia that were texting me saying, I just paid $32 a pound for King salmon. And I'm like, I got 60 pounds of it in my freezer. <laughs> so, you know, Alaska, more than any other state, this is how people survive up here. This is how they live. And that's how, and that's how they live well, by the way, not just live. They live well on the bounty that they get out of, the, out of their hobbies. When you start while, to at the same time, while at the same time, probably being the, the citizens of a state that worry the most about responsible use and conservation. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, Don't get me started. I think that... I, I, not that every state doesn't have incredibly responsible users and conservation-minded hunters, but as a group, when you're literally feeding yourself off of it, not, not a guy like me that eats a lot of it, but at the same time has beef and pork and goes to the grocery store two or three times a month to get what he wants. But people that are lit, I mean, and it, it the, the real, when, when you said one sixth of the country, right? If Alaska is, a third of the country, and they're stripping away states' rights. The political issue here, to me, may be a bigger issue than, you know, the actual wildlife issue, that the, the states' rights being stripped away on, like you said, literally one-sixth of the landmass of the United States. Yeah, I mean, it's, that's, that's, if you took Maine, New York, Vermont, all those New Hampshire, all those states, all the way down to Jersey, it still wouldn't be big enough <laughs> to be the, the landmass that we're talking about. So it's no different than if the feds unilaterally shut down, you know, bear baiting across all those states. Um, and we already know how that works um, with restrictions on bear hunting in those states because you have population centers, you have um, their effect on. Um, uh, on recreation and hiking and other stuff, um, making that more dangerous along with, you know, just, I mean, how they interact with the, the, um, the states there. So we know what happens when they, you know, arbitrarily take that, uh, when, when politicians arbitrarily take that management decision away from the resource managers that live in the state, that understand the state, that spend their entire career 
managing the resources in that state. I don't understand why we keep having to come back to this fight because it happens all over the country. It's just it's just trying to score political points. And then there's negative consequences for the wildlife in the state, including the bears, by the way. Um Bears are bears are seeing more negative con, uh, negative human interactions across the country, more um, uh, more negative um, natural outcomes like an explosion in the northeast of uh, mange across bear populations because they're so thick. Um, you know this this issue is really the crux of it is that we need to take the politics out of the the wildlife management. And look, I'm not even sure I really blame Joe Biden himself because Joe Biden probably doesn't know shit from Shiona about the difference between quote unquote subsistence hunting, which is a which is a legally defined term, and sport hunting. So he probably doesn't understand that it's it's all federal subsistence federal subsistence board um, you know, certified individuals who are doing all of the quote unquote disgusting practices of, of, um, you know, bear hunting in dens, by the way, if you have a problem with that, um, then I, I wouldn't look at some of these Facebook pages of what, what else native groups are allowed to do, right. They're allowed to do stuff that people think is unilaterally illegal, hunting whales, hunting seals, clubbing seals, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I'm not saying I even have a problem with that. I'm just saying that it's disingenuous to bash sport hunters for that stuff when it's quite literally not what we're allowed to do. Well, and it's also very disingenuous to only bring up the bear baiting in the discussion of it, because you have a group of folks who are backing this bill, but the articles, all they talk about is the bear baiting, right? Because they don't want to get on the, they don't want to get on the other side of the indigenous peoples. Right. They don't want to they don't want to get into that side of it. Um, it's a to me, it's it's really, you know, we're obviously we're always going to have people that disagree about hunting tactics. I don't think that we should have people that disagree so drastically in individual states rights. That's what I'm saying. I, I, I think the political issue is bigger in my mind, not not more important, but just more glaringly offensive. Um, cause I can understand, I, I understand that there's people that don't think bear baiting's right. You know, I mean, I, I disagree with him, but I understand that. I don't understand that people think that someone who is what, but probably so what, what are you 6,000 miles from Washington, DC up there? Um, that, that people out there, that people out there should have a say in things like this in a state um, is the part that I don't understand how people can get behind legislation like this. Absolutely right. And I mean, think about it. I'm 5,000 miles from Washington, D.C., right? I'm probably one of the closer locales to Washington, D.C. in the state. Um, if you, As the crow flies, if you start getting into some of these some of these remote, even more remote places, like where they're talking about banning um, uh, caribou and moose hunting for non-resident hunters, and not just non-resident hunters, non-local resident hunters, you're talking about getting closer to that 6,000 mile number, or maybe even more. Um, again, because Alaska is huge. <laughs> I, can go, I can go 75 miles, 100 miles to fish, in Alaska, and if I look on the GPS at the state map, it wouldn't even look like my my little icon had moved on the state. Right, right, right. Yeah, I, 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 I honestly think disregarding the Tenth Amendment and states' rights is one of the biggest problems we have in politics now. I don't think that people understand that the allowed diversity in our state decisions is probably one of the biggest strengths of our country as a whole. Um, and messing with, you know, messing with people in a place that you don't live and the decisions don't affect you is kind of something that our founding fathers saw was a bad idea. And it's why I think the 10th amendment made the bill of rights. But, um, anyway, this is a, this is probably a thing that's just going to flip administration to administration as the R and the D get changed in the white house. So 
may never be a solution to it. I got an article here that I thought was worthwhile just discussing. It's on Go Hunt. Go Hunt. Um, I don't really know a lot about Go Hunt. I don't spend much time on hunting websites, honestly, but uh, they have a great news section. Someone's doing a good job of curating news there and kind of getting to the point and giving you the facts. But uh, the state of Utah released some numbers about hunters killing the wrong animal. Um, I suppose some people listening to this will think that we shouldn't spend time pointing out hunters' mistakes and dumbassery, but uh, I dis- disagree. Um, so these are some numbers uh, from the state of Utah for the tw- this season, 2022-23 antlerless elk hunts. Um, they give about uh, five different geographical areas, four, four counties and then northeastern Utah. In the cases that they list here, there is five examples of someone shooting a moose. I'm sorry, three specific examples of someone shooting a moose when they were on an antlerless elk hunt. That to me is. Uh, that to me is us as hunters shirking our responsibility to have a certain level of skill in our craft before you pull a trigger. Well, I mean, it's also just shocking because they don't even look the same. I, I, this, this brings me back to that woman, that uh, the, the really stupid person that shot the husky and was, I think it was also Colorado, right? Um, and, yeah, she was, she was in Montana. Yeah, she shot a husky, and I I own a husky. My my best friend, he's he's a good dog, but and you can tacitly tell that yes, some somewhere in his line, hundreds maybe thousands of years ago, there's wolves in there that evolved into dogs. But I mean, he's fundamentally not a wolf. Right? Like he's a forty pound like miniaturized um version of a wolf right but he's not a 200 pound like if you've ever seen an actual wolf in real life you know that i i'd I'd almost be less shocked if she if she still she'd still be an idiot to me but less shocked if she mistook him for a for a coyote than a than a wolf you know and just the, the fact that people can't tell those two things apart i guess should should make me less surprised that people can't tell an elk and a moose apart. But again, I mean, you're talking about giant swamp donkey versus like, you know, giant deer, right? I know that moose are still deers, but they, but they look more like a donkey than a deer. (laughs) They're just, they're, there's nothing about those two that I wouldn't instantly know what you were talking about um, or what, what it was by looking at it. And and I'm not even sure I've ever seen an elk in person, right? Um, but I'd still be able to tell one from a from a moose, um, especially and- when you're. And it, I think it makes it worse that these are antlerless elk hunts. So there had to be, or there should have been, a genuine chance to look at the head, right? I mean, you're you're supposed to be making sure there's no antlers on this thing, so you looked at the head. And not only are they different colors of brown, but a moose head and an elk head look nothing alike. About, yeah, they're not even similar. And and I, I hate to be I hate to be negative, but I, I I really think these are just these are phenomenal examples of people not taking it seriously enough to do the right thing. Obviously, not nearly on the same drastic level. But it, it makes me ponder these people that have accidentally shot people, right? Yeah. Thinking thinking that they were a turkey or an elk. I mean, you're you're not doing the job. You're you're not a hunter. You're just someone out in the woods shooting things because you're not doing the job to be aware of what you're what you're pulling the trigger on before you pull the trigger. There's it the the article goes on to mention you know, bull elk instead of cow elk, um, that there's a lot of other mistaken, uh, you know, a person that shot a spike. um, 
that was uh, that was you know wasn't legal. Those, those are all drastically different things. I understand. Don't come up here to Alaska, um, and I'm not telling you that because I don't want you to shoot our our animals, right? I'm telling you, not you, the royal you of these people that are making these mistakes, is because Alaska does not screw around with that stuff. And it's a lot more complicated than just antler versus antlerless up here. You're talking about with brow tine restrictions and moose, um, you know, not everything that you would think of as a brow tine is a brow tine. It's very hard. I'm, I'm almost afraid myself to, uh, to hunt moose up here because of how complicated the, the, um, the measurements are. Um, you have to measure if, I mean, if you're measuring a 52 inch moose, right, you're doing it from 300 yards away. You need to be damn sure that it's not 51 and three quarters inches <laughs> if you're going to shoot well, it um, or else yeah, your ass is grass. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm aware of the stipulations there, but it, at the same time, I mean, that's the rules. Right. And, and the, the, the rules are why we have the greatest hunting opportunities in the world here. And, and that's the rules. And, you know, if, if some, I think it's totally different, still inexcusable because you have a responsibility to do it right, do it right. But people make mistakes. And if someone shot a 51 and three quarter inch moose in Alaska in a 52 inch area, I'm looking at that person and saying, hey, this is your fault. You know, you, you, you got to pay the piper. But I don't think they're nearly as much of an idiot as someone that shot a moose thinking it was an elk. You know what I mean? Like oh, yeah. that's that's too different or let alone someone that shot a human being thinking it was an elk. If you don't think moose and elk look alike, people and elk sure as shit don't look alike. I mean, that's not that's just being a, an idiot and pulling the trigger when you shouldn't be. And uh, we, we've got to, we've got now, again, these are, these are extreme examples and it doesn't happen a whole lot, but uh, one time of shooting the wrong species is, uh, is too many, in my opinion, it shouldn't be happening. Amen. What's going on? You were talking something, what's going on in Washington with, uh, there's a lawsuit out there. Yeah. The, uh, um, Washingtonians for Wildlife Conservation. Um, remember that name because it's going to be coming up a lot up uh, coming up here shortly. Um, is a coalition group of pro hunters in the state um, that are um, suing Governor Inslee. They're actually asking for people to sign on to their lawsuit. So um, if you have a large conservation organization, um, you should consider supporting those guys in that. Um, they're trying to sue Governor Inslee for violating the state code by stacking the Washington Wildlife Fish and Wildlife Concert. Um, I'm sorry, the Washington Fish and Wildlife Commission with anti-hunting extremists. Um, this has been something that um, that Blood Origins has talked a lot about. It's been something that a lot of other organizations have talked a lot about. It's been um, something we've complained about at large in the outdoor media space. Um, this is the chance to do something about it. They're trying to sue them for, um, for basically just shredding the science and deciding to stack the commission with anti-hunters. Um, he's done a lot of that. He, he, he finally has his anti-hunting majority on the commission, um, which, by the way, if, not, if nothing's done about it, could be made worse because he's got even more appointments coming up this year. Don McIsaac um, uh, resigned last year. Um, he was uh, at the end of last year. He's somebody that was um, staunchly pro hunting on the commission. Um, Barbara Baker's up for reappointment this year. She's the anti hunting chair of the commission. Um, Kim Thorburn isn't expecting to be reappointed because um, she's clashed with the governor a number of times um, because she's pro hunting and he, of course, is anti hunting. Um, and um, so we're we're talking about losing two more seats to an already anti-hunting majority on the state Fish and Wildlife Commission. This is an existential threat to hunters in the state and also anybody who wants to hunt the state. If you're trying to finish a deer slam and you need a Columbia blacktail deer, um, this is a this is a problem for you. 
<laughs> um, if you're trying to finish your North American 29, it's also a problem for you. If you're a landowner in the state, if you're a fisherman in the state, if you're a hunter in the state, any of this preservationist push is going to be a problem for you. And I'm um, really glad to see guys like the guys at the Washingtonians for Wildlife Conservation Group stepping up to sue the governor. As someone who's sued his governor before, um, looking at you, Governor Murphy in New Jersey, um, always enjoyed our our bouts back and forth. Um, it is not an easy task. It's very expensive. Um, it's very time consuming. It's very emotionally consuming because you're 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 taking on a juggernaut. You're taking on the most powerful person in your state to um, to get them to do what they are elected to do, which is not to serve special interest groups, deep pocketed special interest groups like Washington Wildlife Fund or um, or uh, HSUS or other extremist groups, but to serve the people of the state according to the laws set forth in the state constitution. That is a governor's job. Um, and, um, and Inslee hasn't been doing it for a number of reasons. And I'll, I'll even go further and say that um, this there's precedent to this lawsuit um, for those that are naysayers. I know there's a lot of those in the hunting community sometimes, um, so he's, he's already been dinged for politicization of the building trades council in the state. Um, and he lost a lawsuit that levied a fine against the state for $70,000 for exactly this type of thing, using, using political groups to, to stack, uh, you know, these regulatory bodies with people that were against the, the, the user groups, who, are rep- who should be represented by those councils. So um, that lawsuit's coming up. I think they're looking for, some, for people to sign on. If you're looking to support someone, Washingtonians for Wildlife Conservation is probably a good group for you to look into right now um, because I think this if we allow Washington to continue with this model and to be the precedent, if you will, for stacking Fish and Wildlife Commissions with anti-hunting extremists, it's not going to be good for any other state. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more that it has. It's it's a it's obviously a big issue for folks in Washington or that want to hunt Washington, but it's an issue for the rest of us too. Um, in the sense that it's going to set a precedent of politics overriding science and wildlife management and. Um, you know, Inslee's a great example of that. I think Murphy was a good Murphy was a good example of that until amazingly enough it kind of uh it kind of uh, backfired on him enough that he backed out. Is he is is the New Jersey bear hunt still we still gonna be able to hunt bears in New Jersey? Yeah, amazingly it's still um uh, he's still pro bear hunt. Um the anti hunters there lost a lawsuit to um to stop the bear hunt about midway through the season last year. So now there's a, um, there's a comment period going on. If anybody wants to um, comment and support the bear hunt, you can look that up on the New Jersey fish and wildlife um, website. But uh, yeah, I mean, that was, that was incredible. And that was, again, if you're looking to support groups, right, those lawsuits that the, all the commentary from pro hunters and, you know, supporters of hunting over the years hammering him for you know damn near eight years on this is what changed his mind right that and a bunch of very unfortunate incidences with regard to bears um conflicting with humans like a guy getting mauled in his garage and you know a bunch of dogs getting killed etc but again to the naysayers i'm talking directly to you naysayers your opinion, your voice does in fact matter with regard to this stuff. If you let the anti-hunters be the only people, the only wheel squeaking, they're also going to be the only wheel that gets the grease. You have to show up. The world is run by people who show up. So you have to show up. You have to add your voice to, to these guys. And even if your state isn't the one that's being affected by this, if you let it become a precedent, what do you think the extremists are going to do? They're going to point directly to that other state and say, hey, these guys are doing it. We should do it too. Yep. 
No, 100%. We've seen that over and over again. I think New Jersey was one of my favorite examples of people speaking up as well as data winning out on the right side of things in the long run when the bear hunt got reinstated there. And, and it, you, you got to admit, two years ago, you never thought there would be a bear hunt under Murphy, right? Like, I mean, I'm not saying that that anyone gave up the fight, but the hope was gone that there was ever going to be a bear hunt under Murphy until the data and the persuasive voices won that out. So we can do it in Washington too. We can do it in Alaska. We can do it in Colorado. We can do it anywhere. Um, but but like Alaska said, you just you we've got to be a part of it, right? We, for so long, hunters have sat in their tree stands and let the anti-hunting push be the vocal majority. And uh, not the vocal majority, I worded that wrong. Be the loudest voice, be the squeakiest wheel, like you said. And uh, it's kind of cool to see, man. I mean, I, 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 I'm a pretty optimistic guy. And in the last couple of years with some of the stuff that we've been a part of and how for wildlife and some of these groups out there, hunters are kind of, uh, hunters are kind of voicing their voice a little bit more and, and, and starting to squeak their wheel a little bit. So don't stop because they're not going to stop either. And uh, it's going to be a thing that for the rest of our lives in some way or another, we're fighting to uh, continue to be able to do what we do. That's right. All right, man. Well, you got anything else before we shut her down? Not on my end. Uh, just, you know, again, I say this almost every time I'm a guest here. But remember to support those groups that are supporting your lifestyle. Yeah, 100%. You got to do it. Got to get out. Um, I can tell you that it's not my uh, personality, right? Like, I'm very much a guy that just wants to live up here on my mountain and not really ever talk to anyone. Um, but there's easy and uh, simple ways to get out and uh, throw your support, whether it's your time or your treasure behind these groups. Um, and if you're not doing it, you know, you're, you're, it, 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 hopefully you have a little bit of guilt, seriously, because we've got to do it as a group. And you don't have to spend a whole bunch of money. You don't have to give up all your free time. It's just go out and find ways to do it and support organizations that are supporting what you do um, or you're not going to be doing it forever louder for the one thanks. thing thanks for uh thanks for joining me man take it easy up there and uh keep scouting out uh salmon spots for me <laughs> i'll let you know i'll send you my i'll send you a link to the to some maps all right brother take it easy See ya. well that's it for today i appreciate you listening as always leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting.